are in Christ Jesus. You are a child of the word. You were born again by the ever-abiding living word of God. You grow by the word and the trajectory of your life is shaped by the word. So the one who is beloved of God is what? So are you beloved of God? Are you a saint? Do people qualify to be saints? No. Is there any qualification to become a saint? Well, if there is any qualification, it is believing Jesus. So, the day you believed in Jesus, that is, you became a Christian, that very day you have become a saint. And as you listen to this insightful teaching through our pastor, Pastor Dio Olushoga, lead pastor, S Church International, may the eyes of your heart be enlightened. Praise the name of Jesus. Okay, so we started looking at something last week, and it's newscaster. Amen. Alright, so who is the way newscaster? Yeah, who is the newscaster? Hmm? I thought someone was going to answer. Come and sit down here. Come sit down there. Come and sit down. Let me see your face. You, 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 you. Nobody is answering. Who is the newscaster? Bene. Who is the newscaster? didn't do GNS. Very good. We know the people that didn't do GNS here. Who is a newscaster job? Is that what you couldn't say? A reporter. She said a newscaster is a reporter. Somebody that reports the news of an event. She? Eh, now. Okay, Bolu is a newscaster. No, you thought they are casting the head. My friend, who is a newscaster? Somebody that gives us information about occurrences that happen. Okay. Hmm? What's that? That happened or is happening. Either way, you are correct. Okay, so basically, the idea of newscaster is getting us um, acquainted with permit me to use the word the skill that is needed in being um, a good um, ambassador of the good news a carrier of the gospel message glory to God now, last week, what we took time to do was to establish why I should be a carrier of the good news. Do you understand? Why I should be the one broadcasting the good news. I gave us several reasons why we as Christians, we as believers, should publicize the gospel. Now, how many here supports one club or the other? Football club. Hmm. My dad fans. <laughs> Glory to God. Okay. Um, now, when your team is playing, amen. When your team is playing, and let's say they even finished the match, please 
I'd like you to maintain rapt attention. Uh, well, your team is playing and you're probably winning. Okay? What happened? You jubilate, right? In the viewing center. Okay. Apart from your jubilation in the viewing center, where else do you go to? Huh? Uh-uh. WhatsApp status. Facebook. If possible, Instagram. Then the biggest place, Twitter. Ah. Okay, so... Somehow, what I'm trying to bring out is that everybody supports one thing or the other. And you don't... You are not a silent supporter. That is, people know when you are in support of something. Football, for example. Are you following me? Now, let me ask us a question. How many of you have by chance received 10% salary, not full salary, from the club you are supporting? Which of them have given you data before? Hmm? Okay, you have never received salary. You have never been given data. Which of them have ever... Uh, what else? Any form of accolade just to recognize you for being a good supporter. Which of them? So we are freely and voluntarily supporting things that we consider good. Whether it's just for the fact that we are deriving pleasure from it. And nothing wrong about being a football supporter. I used to be a very loyal Man U fan until time and chance happened. I can't tell you the story today. I stopped supporting Man U the day Alex Ferguson left. I'm a good fan. I leave when the stage is hot. Amen. But what I'm saying is that one way or the other, we all support something. We all believe in something. And those things that we believe, we advocate for it. Is that so? Fantastic. So, in the same sense, how much more something as important as the gospel? What form of supporter should we be? Now, if I am a diet supporter, like I am, of my football club, should I be silent? Should I be indifferent? Hallelujah. Should I just be a nominal fan? Or people get to know what I am truly supporting? So the aim of this message or this teaching that we have started since last week, is to equip us, you know, as God's children, on how we can be, um, you know, empowered newscasters. And I use the word empowered on purpose. Reason being that, like I said last week, many of us growing up, we didn't get a good picture of a newscaster. I mean the gospel newscaster. Some of them were, permit me, Awkward, you didn't like it. On the road, you were just going, and then you saw somebody with uh what's that thing? Megaphone, and he's shouting and top of the voice, he's sweating, his clothes is big. You're like, if this is the way this thing goes, I better not be a fan. You understand? Or you're on your way to somewhere very important, and here is this person pursuing you with tracks and said, 
I need just 10 minutes of your time. You know, and you're like, I'm going somewhere very important. And you're asking me to give you 10 minutes. You have to be an unserious fellow. You understand? Or oh, it was Bell, Ellie Momo Bell, with cape on your head. And then you just, maybe you peep through your window to see who was jingling the bell. And then you're like, if this is the way this thing is, I remove my hand and my leg. Glory to God. So, what we're trying to do is, um, like they say in Yoruba, we want to pour out the grains, sieve it, then put back the, the good ones back into the bowl. You understand, right? That's saying, uh, let's pour it down and reshovel it. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. So, what we're trying to establish is that the moment you understand what the message is, the good news is, our will be easy. When you know the what, the how, how many of you here, when you write an exam, all the time you write what your lecturer gave you word for word. It's not all the time. Although there are some lecturers that are like that. They want you to give them what they gave you. But some of us, we like to read, understand, then give back the lecturer what he gave us in our own terms. Is that so? So how are you able to do that? Because you understood what he has taught you. Then you cannot put it in your whole words. You can even give your own example. Why? Because you have understood it. And this is the way it will work too. When you understand what the gospel message is, it becomes very easy. Glory to God. So just one more reason why I should be a newscaster. Then we will go to the what. Because that's actually what we're supposed to look at. We've looked at why last week. We'll look at what today. And then maybe next week Wednesday we'll look at how. The various means and mechanisms and methods through which you can be a very good newscaster. That is, you can conveniently tell people about Jesus. You understand? And you will do it and you would, you would even shock yourself that, wow, so this thing is this easy. Amen. A little, um, before we go into the one last why and then we're going to the what sometimes during this week I was on a business um, you know trip of course within Abelkota I had a meeting with a um, man that was supposed to transact together inside Ibarra so today is Wednesday what day was that was that on Monday okay yes it was on Monday Exactly. So, um, okay, it was a landed property. We're procuring that landed property from him. Now, we have discussed, in fact, we have discussed at length. I believe that means this is four. So we discussed at length till 5.30 thereabout. So he took us back to the land. We looked at it. And... That was supposed to be the last part of our meeting. Then I go. But somehow, somehow, discussion led to discussion, led to discussion. Business meeting, don't forget. 
Then, somewhere where I was standing, the man, his agent, another agent, then the other agent who introduced me to them. So that's about four men, myself, then another person went with me. So that's five of us standing. Now, where I was standing, somehow, um, I just knew, you know, by the Spirit of God. I just knew that, okay, somebody is around us. Who is having so, so, and so case? I felt it was even going to be awkward for me to go in that direction, seeing that this is a business meeting. But I felt like, well, even if it is going to be awkward, that it be awkward. So I told him, I said, ah, sir, I, I don't know. I, I just, I just keep perceiving something. And it's going to be awkward if I say it. But let me just say it all the same. After all, we've built rapport. So it was easy for me to still, you know, relate with them. So I said, um, I am seeing so, so, and so case. Okay. What I was seeing was prostate cancer. So I said, I am seeing something like prostate cancer or erectile dysfunction, like a medical condition. I, I see someone with that uh, condition here. Or perhaps someone here knows someone with that case. So there was just this loud silence until one man broke the you know silence and he said, Are you saying the case is now now? Or in the future. <laughs> I said, well, I don't know. It probably might be now. Or maybe the person has condition. While me and that man was still settling it, the owner of the land, whom I was having a deal with, just broke the silence. He said, I'm the one. He said, I am the one. Then he made a statement. He said, pointing at me, he said, you must be very powerful. He said, you must be very powerful. Because I have never told anybody this medical condition. He said, in fact, it runs in his family. That that was what killed his dad. He said, his younger brother, currently, he has just done a surgery. Just to take care of that same medical condition. So when he told me that, I said, ah, daddy, don't worry. We will see tomorrow, which was yesterday, that we will conclude our deal tomorrow now. So he said, no, you cannot go. I will show you the drugs I've been using. You will follow me back to my house. So I went back with him to his house. Say, I told you it was 5.30. I went back to his house, showed me all the drugs, told me all the amount, told me all he has been using and how he's been scared lately that he's been feeling the symptoms. That's wow. He said, a statement again, that he doesn't believe in all those people that used to give prophecy. Say, so in fact, when people come around him to come and give him all of those messages, you know, like you're going on the road and then somebody comes and says, One minute, a meal wrong is here. He said he hates those things. They don't really like interacting with those people. He said, because he feels they are lazy. And they are just looking for something to eat. So, because after they gave him, or they give him, you know, the message 
that the spirit of God has given them to give him. They will now say, Owajura. <laughs> so he has made up his mind that no way. All of those things. So he said, This one happening to him. He is shocked. He made that thing that we were, when we were on the land. When we go back to his house, he said, I am still shocked. So we prayed together and had a chance of talking to him, sharing the gospel with him. He believed the gospel. Now I have fixed a weekly meeting with him. Praying with him and more like discipling him. A old man that is about 60 years. I called him yesterday. The first thing he said over the phone was he could not sleep. I said, Daddy, why? Was it that you could not sleep or sleep didn't come? He said, no. The shock of yesterday would not allow me to sleep. Now he made a statement. He said, normally he goes to the toilet because that's, those are the symptoms of prostate cancer. He goes to the toilet repeatedly in the midnight. He said he goes for like six times. He said, what shocked him the most was that he, he went only twice. Say he went just twice. And that he knows that he has started seeing changes. Glory to God. Now that man made a statement, even when we were having the business meeting yesterday. He said, on this business, I cannot hide anything from you again. He was there, that's why he's laughing. He said, I cannot hide anything from you. Because even if I hide it, you will see it. He said, even if I hide it, he was telling the other agent, he said, hey, they hide in Kofu Pastor. Oh, Mary, Holy Spirit. <laughs> now, I said that to say that that is one method. That is one method to penetrate into people. Glory to God. So, now, you've heard one method. Okay, why? Why should I seek any method to tell people about my faith, to tell people about Jesus? First of all, let me tell you something. I hope you are aware that every form of belief system in the world today, they are trying their best to push what they believe into you. Every belief system Hallelujah. If you have friends or siblings or housemates that do any form of drugs, do you understand what I mean by drugs? I don't mean um, all those um, narcotics. I don't mean narcotics alone. Do you understand? Believe you me, they will suggest it to you. Is that true? So, what I'm saying is everybody pushes a belief system. You don't want to do it, but it will come and meet you. Okay, let me give you another one. Cultism. Do you by yourself carry yourself to them or they chase you? Hmm? Sometimes people carry themselves. Is that so? But in all cases, what happens most of the time? They will haunt you. 
what are they hunting after? They saw something that they feel will be useful for them. In other words, every association has a goal of expanding. And how does it expand? The members expand it. Praise the name of Jesus. So, we might feel that I don't care. Me, I'm born again. Anybody that is not born again. Okusilo. Mm, that would not be kind enough. That won't be love. Hallelujah. So just one reason, then we go to the what. Let's just look at Ephesians chapter 4. Now, I'm going to chip in something, um, which is, what do I stand to gain in being a newscaster? Maybe that will be the last part, like the part four. What do I stand to gain? Number one, it doesn't bring food on my table. It doesn't add to my bank account. It doesn't even make me have better grade points. Or anything like that. What do I stand to gain? Don't worry, we'll keep that in. Okay, verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 4. Oh, oh no, not 17. I said that off my head, sorry, not um, 11, I meant. In Ephesians 4, verse 11. Alright, Ephesians 4, 11 says, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Who are the saints? Who are the saints? Who is a saint? Now, don't get it twisted to think Paul and Peter are the saints. No. Don't get it twisted to think only those who have graduated to a level they are the saints. Who is a saint? Very quickly, let's just look at um, um, Ephesians chapter 1. Let's see if verse 1 is there. Oh yeah, yes. Ephesians 1 and verse 1. Are you in Ephesians 1 and verse 1? What did he say? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to who? The saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So, the saint is the one who is, uh, well, faithful. How many of you are familiar with that term, faithful? I'm not saying faithful as for faithfulness. It's a term that means someone who belongs to a religion. Is that so? It's a term that means someone who belongs to a religion. Check your dictionary. So, when he says, to the saints which are at Ephesus, he's saying the faithful, the ones who belonged to the faith. You understand? The faith of Christianity. So the saint is the one who has believed Jesus, or who is a Christian. So every Christian is a saint. Amen. Romans chapter 1 verse 1 2. Oops, glory to God. Are you Romans 1 of us 1? 
Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets and in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Among whom ye also are called, are the called of Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 7. To all that be in Rome. Notice the word he used. To all. So no exemption. To all that be in Rome. Of course he's not saying all the Roman citizens. He's saying to the people that are in the church in Rome. To all that be in Rome. Beloved of God. Amen. Called to be. So the one who is beloved of God. Is what? So are you beloved of God? Are you a saint? Do people qualify to be saints? No. Is there any qualification to become a saint? Well if there is any qualification. It is believing Jesus. So, the day you believed in Jesus, that is, you became a Christian, that very day, you have become a saint. Am I growing into it after I've taken seven steps? No. The very day you were born again, you became a saint. But God likes some people more than the other. Well, that might just be some lies that has been told. Are you saying all men are the same before God. Well, according to the Bible, there is no partiality before him. He is no respecter of person. Are you saying that me and the Geo were in the same category? Well, does the Geo believe the gospel? Do you believe the gospel? You are beloved. You are saints. Now, when now comes to ministry, he might have grace. Because he is a minister. But as believers, everybody is a saint. So say with me this evening, I am beloved. I am beloved. And I am a saint. I am a saint. I'm not working to become. I am a saint. I am a saint. Now let me quickly chip in something. The word saint is the word agios. Okay? Let me let me be very sure if I am getting that. Glory to God. Alright. Um, okay. Yes, the word saint is the word agios. Glory to God. I don't even know why I'm going in this direction. I want to just talk about why a saint should preach the gospel. That's what I want. But I feel very um, strongly that I should emphasize it as well. Because it is the saint that will preach the gospel. So, the saint needs to even know himself. Amen. So, the word saint is, you know the Bible was never written in English. It was translated to English. It was written in Greek. So, the Greek word that was translated to saint is the word agios. Glory to God. Now, agios simply means only. Hmm. Hallelujah. The word agios means only. If I'm going to compare it to anything figurative that I can picture, it's going to be compared with the holiest of holies. That is the holiest of all. So the believer who is the saint is holy. Not just holy. You can call him the holiest of holies. 
So when you pick a saint, you are looking at a man in whom there is no fault. You are looking at a man in whom God is not finding any fault. You are looking at a man that God is not waiting to judge. You are looking at a man that God will never be angry with. Why? Because he is perfect. Say, eh, perfect. Yes, that's the meaning of the word saints. That's the meaning of the word saints. Perfect. Something you don't need to add any extract into. Glory to God. So, how does that man come to that position? He was given that position. You know, there are two ways to get something. Work for it or get it as a gift. So, while so many people in the world, other religions, are working to become acceptable before God, the believer inherits that position of being acceptable before God. Without work or performance. Say, ah, don't you remember the Bible says, be ye perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Careful. Understand the context of every statement that is made. The Bible equally said in another place that let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven. So the Bible says good works. Of course, nobody says good works are bad. But good works don't make men saved. As a matter of fact, everything good that a man tries to do so that God can find him acceptable, the Bible calls it dead works. You are trying to qualify for the very thing God says people should not qualify for. And it is pride. So what God wants, what does he want? He wants people to receive it. As what? Free gifts. Romans chapter 5 from verse 17. Glory to God. Are you in Romans 5 and verse 17? For if by woman's offense, death reigned by that one. Of course, who is the man whose offense caused death? Adam, the first Adam. Much more, they which receive abundance of grace. Notice the word receive. Not inherit. Not uh, get as a wage. Not um, reward. Hallelujah. They which receive abundance of grace. Look at the next key word I was introduced. And of the... Tell me what is there. So what is righteousness? What is righteousness? How do people become righteous? By receiving the gift of righteousness. God doesn't want people to work to earn it. So he gave us Jesus. Jesus became the sacrifice. Amen. He took all the punishments. In fact, he did all the works that the law required in order for us to be qualified. Amen. Are you following? He did what? All the works 
that the law, the commandment, he did all that the commandment required. Now, having fulfilled the requirements, what did he do? He transferred the benefits to us. Are you following now? Are you seeing how we came to the position where we are? Somebody, you know, okay, how many of you, when you were in school, apart from those that were doing businesses, look at me, how many of you were working well, I know, I know quite well that people work to sustain themselves in school, but I'm saying that at least what's come to us, you understand, worst case scenario, some people had parents that were supporting them. Two of us. But how many of you work for your parents to send you pocket money in school. Like, you work for your parents, they haven't worked for them, they send you pocket money. You get it? So what is that pocket money you are getting? It's a gift. As a matter of fact, they are giving you, not expecting, as it were, anything from you in return. Is that so? Likewise, God. He gave us the free gift of righteousness. Ah, don't you think people will mess it up? They will use it any other they like. Well, when people learn of who they are, how many of you have ever put on white clothes? Like white gown, white shirt, anything. Right? Now, when you are wearing white and you want to eat a oily food, and when you are wearing maybe any other dark color, say this color of my clothes, compare when you are wearing a color like this and when you are wearing white, and you want to eat a oily food, even if it is right, with stew, rice with stew, or pounded yam with a goosey or anything, which of them will you be most careful? Huh? When you are wearing white, right? Why? Because you are conscious that you are wearing white and you don't want to get it stained. Is that so? See, when people know who they are, the Bible makes us understand that they will not commit sin. So the absence of the knowledge of who the believer is is what makes him sin. Not the other way around. You don't try to stop people from sinning by telling them don't sin. No. No. When I say don't look at me, the next thing that comes to your mind is my face. When I say don't look at me, you will look at me because there is something that laws do or does to us. He provokes that rebellion naturally. Daddy says don't open that drawer. You want to know what is inside the drawer. Is that so? He said, don't open that pot. <laughs> That's how you go and see. One, two, five minutes. Okay, this one is big. I can still slide it into two. So it will still be five. And then that part I cut, I will use soup. I will dip it inside soup very, very well. So they will even know that anybody has cut it. Praise the name of Jesus. That is how God wants us to, you know, relate with him. Amen. And so Christianity has gone past, or God has changed the dynamics beyond um, the relationship between God and man is just 
I am your God. You are my... No, even, some people don't even know that they are children of God. I am, I am God. You are the one that obeys my commands. So, the only thing in Christianity they know is do's and don'ts. The command giver and the command receiver. And so to them, it's just a ball game of every day, God says, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Me too, I will try my... You see, every time you make the statement, I will try my best not to. You are making pride. I will... I, I, when I, I will, I will... It's still you. But don't forget, in the first place, you couldn't even get yourself born again. Praise the name of Jesus. So, the saint is clean. He's holy. When he is now born again, he cannot be doing good works. He cannot be living right. That's not wrong. Are you following me? But first and foremost, so one of the good works that we do as believers, one of the good works that we do, having been born again, is this newscasting. Amen. Are you following now? One of the good works that we do. Now, good works mean that this is my appreciation of what you have done for me. I am not doing anything to merit what you have given me, but because of what you have done for me, this is my whole token of appreciation. Are you following now? Do you get it? So, let me even ask, why don't believers sin? Like lie, like steal. Is it because they don't want to go to hellfire? Let me make a point. No believer will go to hellfire. Say, ah! Yay! Please, please and please. What does John 3.16 say? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hold on. Okay, now go on. What did you say? What did you say? What did you say? Okay, what next? Anyone who believes will not what? So why do we think the one who has believed will still perish? What you are indirectly saying is that you don't believe God is capable enough to fulfill his word. The one who believes will not perish. So, no believer. No, not one. Hallelujah. The believer has escaped destruction. Please, can you raise that temperature a little more? Change it to like, maybe you should change it to fun. Remove it from cool. Remove it from cool. Exactly. Do you know how to operate this? It's on fun now. Okay, I think that's better. Praise the name of Jesus. We are getting used to American temperature. (laughs) 
Amen. Okay, so, no believe. I, I don't know why I am being tilted in this direction. Is it okay if I just digress? Okay. Go to John chapter 3. In John 3 16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Should is a very strong word, it is affirmative. Should not, it means it won't happen. But just in case that's not clear enough, let's go on. For God sent not His Son into the world to do what? So Jesus did not come to condemn the world. He didn't come as that monster that somehow has been painted in our imagination. Like someone with a big rod. And every time you miss it like this, you just... I've been waiting for you to miss it. So he came not into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Let's go on. 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Praise the name of Jesus. He that believes will not be condemned. The world who does not believe. So many people think it is after death that some people will not be punished. The ones going to hell will go to hell. And the ones who have qualified for heaven will not go to heaven. He says it is from here on her too. The one who believes not is in that verse 18. Is condemned already. So, the one who will go to heaven is going because from here he knows. The one who is going to hell is from here that the judgment has been passed. What is the condemnation? The condemnation is that he did not believe. Are we together? And verse 19, look at it. He said, this is the condemnation. That light came into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So for everyone that, that um, doeth evil, hated the light, neither cometh to the light, lest their deeds should be reproved. So, basically, what the Bible is saying is that um, anyone who believes will not perish. The one who fails to believe it is a, it is sure. It's like this. Is it because electricity hates whoever the person is that it electrocuted the person when he touched it? Is it because, okay, Philip is wearing blue. Electricity likes blue. But somebody is wearing red. Who is wearing red now? Okay, maybe because he is wearing something close to red, like pink. And electricity does not like pink. So because you are wearing pink and then you touch it, it will just shock you. Is that why it, is that why it works? It is like a law. You touch it, you are electrocuted. So it's almost a law as it were too. That the one who believes is certain. You know laws are certain. So it's certain that when a man believes, he has escaped. When a man fails to believe, 
It is certain too. He brought judgment on himself. What is the judgment he brought on himself? He rejected the salvation. He rejected the free gift of righteousness. So it now becomes that he will have to work for it by himself. And he can never get it by himself. So he will have to pay the penalty that has been paid for him. So can I ask you a very straightforward question? Why will people maybe face judgment and go to hell? Give me one reason why they will go to hell, face any judgment. Huh? Because they did not. Now, what are the two things that are likely to happen that will make a man not believe the gospel? What are the things that are likely to happen? What are the factors that might make a man fail to believe the gospel? Hmm? Number one, it is either he did not hear, or number two, it is either he heard and rejected it. Are you listening? Yeah. Is it that he did not hear or he heard and he didn't receive it? Are you following? Give me the number one again. Is it that he heard and rejected it or there was no one to tell him at all? Now let's go to Romans chapter 16. I mean, no, no, Romans chapter 6. Ah, that's Romans 6, Jesus. 10. I rebuke you, Satan. 10, 16. Ah. Are you Romans 10, 16? But he have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, what believe our report? And verse 17, look at verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Hallelujah. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes when a man hears, and when he hears the gospel. Hallelujah. Yeah. Now, um, verse 18. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily. Their son went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. Verse 19. But I say, did not Israel know? For Moses here, um, no, no, no. Um, let's go back to verse 13. Let's start from verse 13 again. Are you in Romans 10, 13? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Is that true? Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Don't forget that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Is that a criteria? Verse 14. How will they call on him whom they have not believed. So it means they cannot call to receive salvation if they have not believed. Which means the criteria for receiving salvation is to believe. Is that so? But look at what he now say. How shall they call on him whom they have not believed? How shall they believe 
in him of whom they have not heard. Are you seeing that? So, believing follows hearing. Hallelujah. People will only believe what they have been able to hear. Now look at what he said next. How shall they hear without a preacher? Glory to God. How will many hear without a preacher? Which means no preacher, no hearing, no hearing, no believing. And no believing means no salvation. Glory to God. Do you see the simple formula? Do you see the simple formula? No preacher means no hearing. No hearing means no believing. No believing means no salvation. So, this is the reason why we go around preaching the gospel. Hallelujah. Why? Because it is only true the word of a preacher that men will hear and that they will believe and they will be saved. So what are they hearing? Yeah. What are they hearing? From John 3, 16, that it is very easy to escape the judgment. That it is very easy to escape hell. And that it is very easy to become righteous. Is it simple enough? Is it simple enough? I mean, from everything I've even said, I've told you the gospel. I've told you the gospel already. The free gift of righteousness. So what are we telling people? That it is what? Easy to become righteous. So you don't need to be unnecessarily complicated. You don't need to be complicated. God does not want the death of a sinner but for him to repent. See, the sinners don't, they, they don't have time for that complication. Their head is busy with so many things. Give them the key word. Give them the key word. There is, let me tell you something. There is no human being that you mention the word righteousness that your heart does not skip. Because that's the heartbeat and heart call of every living soul. They want to be right before God. They are looking for acceptance, right standing. They want to know what God thinks about them. So that's why the gospel is not come to our church, you become rich. If that is the gospel, Otetola will tell you, I can make you rich. You don't need God, that's the meaning. Yeah. 
the case, the Elon Musk, Elon Musk of Tesla, what will you tell him? He's rich already. So, if you say, tell me something else. Or you want to tell him, God will, my God will deliver you from the battles of your father's house. He does not even know what it is called. You want to tell him, God will deliver you from all this hardship of your life. Ah, ah. He does not know hard, talkless of sheep. But what is that one thing the heart of everyone is craving for? It is righteousness. Is that need to know that their sins have been forgiven? Or that God is not mad at them? That's what every man wants to know. That's what every man's heart is craving for. Every living soul. That's what they are craving for. And that is what saves. That is, salvation is receiving righteousness. It's that simple. Salvation is, is receiving righteousness. Do you get it now? Salvation is receiving righteousness. So, the one way is saved. Don't forget what I said when I started. The one who is saved is now a saint. Is that so? And what did I say the word saint means? Agios. What's the meaning of agios? What is the meaning of agios? Every man wants to know if they can be holy. But they can know that it's a free gift. If somebody will tell them. Hallelujah. That's what Jesus came to do. Second Corinthians chapter Second Corinthians five, verse nineteen. Second Corinthians five, verse nineteen. To wait that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. God was in Christ. Reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. So it's not like some people are preaching a, a loving Jesus. And then somebody else is not like, you don't know who God is. You, you, you are talking about Jesus now. You are using Jesus to cajole people. You are using Jesus to make people feel God is this kind. Well, Bible just busted your bubbles. He said God was in that man, Jesus. So it's not like Jesus is like, Baba, I go to die Jamway. We must forgive them. And then the father is like, no, no. And he knows say. And then Jesus is like, Baba, I will die for them. 
Jesus, don't go. Jesus, don't go. I said, Father, I will go. I said, Jesus, don't go. Let's deal with these people. And then Jesus, shori kukun, you know, stop on head. He died. And then, Father, you die, Abby. If not that you're my son, I will not raise you up. But let me raise you up like that. The Bible says God was in agreement with Jesus. It was their mutual consent that he will die for man. Amen. He now said something. He said, to we that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Notice, he didn't even say reconciling Christians to himself. I need you to look into your Bible and see some of those key terms. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Now look at what he said. Not imputing their trespasses unto them and had committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So what is the current standing of the world before God now? God has done something. He has reconciled. Reconciled means he has settled the differences. If there was any enmity between them, he has reconciled it. He has made peace. Ah, glory to God. Meaning he's not mad at anybody for anything or anything. He's not remembering the matches somebody borrowed two years ago. And he did not return. He's not remembering any meat that somebody carried. He said, you, you took meat when you were seven years old. We will record it. On the day of remembrance, we will open the record and show you. The Bible says something. It said he has reconciled with all men. Now, in our explain what reconciling means, Say not imputing their trespasses unto them. Not imputing. Meaning is not taking record. Hallelujah. Not imputing their trespasses unto them. And not committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So, we are the ones with the word, the message the news. Hallelujah. He has committed us the word of reconciliation. Now, we are the newscasters carrying this message of reconciliation to all men. We are the ones letting men know that God has made peace with them. Now, this is to say, without us, men will not know that God has removed, blotted out all their own doings. Hey, Shebi is just blotting out. See, they receive Jesus. When they get born again, uh, sit down there. Record. Romans chapter 4. Are you in Romans chapter 4? Verse 6. Are you in Romans 4 and verse 6? Are you there? 
Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputes righteousness without works. So, something is not being recorded, but something has been recorded. Into that man's account, into that man's record, something is not being imputed again. What is the thing that is not being imputed again? Sin and wrongdoing. But something is there, so it's not a blank record. What is there? Blessed is the man unto whom God imputes righteousness without works. Hallelujah. Now look at verse 7. Say, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven. Whose sins are covered. So someone says, yes, yes. That's what God did now. He covered their wrongdoing. He removed their sins. Now look at the next verse anyways. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. So we are telling men God is not angry with you again. And he has made a commitment to never be angry with you again. You didn't get that. He is not mad at you. He will never ever again be mad at you. Say that thing is a New Testament message. All you these people, you are preaching false doctrine. You are twisting the New Testament. We will show you from the Old Testament. Go back to um, Isaiah. Isaiah 54. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Are you there? Isaiah 54. Are you in Isaiah 54? I need you to look into your Bible. No Bible. Wow. Yeah, go and sit down with somebody that has. Go and sit down with somebody that has, no? Go and sit down with Pastor Nome. Yes. Anyways, let's go on. Isaiah 54, verse 7. Are you there? For a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. Amen. For a small moment, I have forsaken you. With great mercies will I gather thee. In a little rod, I hid my face from thee for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord, thy Redeemer. Look at verse 9. For this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I will not be wrought with thee, nor rebuke thee. Anybody with another translation? Ten and nine, rather. Hallelujah. Wow. Said he has sworn never to be angry with you. Woo! Can I shake one table? Can I shake one table? It means that when I do wrong, I should not expect bad things to happen when I do wrong. Actually, I am wrong. But I should not now say that I have wronged it. I have missed God. I have annoyed God. Bad things can happen now. 
So, you or we can have assurance. Hallelujah. We can have a confidence that God is not angry with us. Is that so? So, why do we expect bad when he's not angry? Are we saying wrong is good? No. Even Yoruba say, a man's child will not be so bad. You will throw him for the lion. How much more God? You know, some people have a feeling that when I miss it or when I've wronged God, my prayer should never be answered. You know, they quote that scripture, that bad scripture. God does not hear the prayer of the sinner. Please, that scripture side by side, I will never be angry with you nor rebuke you. First and foremost, you are not a sinner. You are a saint. Amen. Now, I need you to understand what a saint means. Saint is what? Agios. What is Agios? Holiest of all. It means I am as sacred as the holies of holies under the Old Testament. Woo! By extension, that word Agios means sacred, right? It means reverent. It means worthy of reverence. Why? The same way the holiest of all was worthy of reverence. It means honorable. Not because of what I do, but because of who I am. I'm like that place. That is the most holy, most sacred, worthy of honor, worthy of reverence. Glory to God. Say I'm the holiest of holies. Say I'm the holy place. You know God doesn't dwell in that place again now. Where is his house? Yeah. So this is the holies of holies. This is the holies of holies. Hi. Somebody needs to allow that sinking. Worthy of what? So it means that when angels see me, they don't look at me as that one that missed it yesterday. When they see me, my Lord. Hallelujah. I'm worthy of honor. When celestial angelic beings see me, my Lord. You see, angels have eyes to see what men don't see. They don't see my wrongdoings. They see the honor that has invested on me. can see to the deep ah when he sees me he sees his holy place glory to God see I'm worthy of honor Woo. I'm worthy of honor 
extension, you know, I carry that honor consciousness. I carry it into my world. They say, ah, that seat is only for three people and it's only for all. No, no, I am the kind of people that those seats are for. You didn't get it. He's applying for a job. They're only taking three people. I am one of those three people. Say why? I am worthy of honor. He's exclusive. I am that exclusive. Say, does it work? Well, it does. I'm worthy of honor. Pride, no, that's talking about the word. That's talking based on the word. So, are you not demanding for it? Ah, it's what I demand for my rights in the word of God. All this, why that I did not demand my rights in the word? We help. You better say, Oh, you are so that demons can scare you. I mean, I'm afraid. So, I mean, think about it. Satan will now, somebody that is not a member of the family, he will now come and be telling you, you don't know that you don't, you, you, you don't deserve that thing. God doesn't have, you should not have an outsider talking to me, member of the family. He's wrong. He's very, very wrong. Hallelujah. Say, ah, when you have done this kind of wrong, it's angels that will answer you. But when you are holy, it's God that will answer you. Ah, ah. Angels see me. My Lord. Why? The honor. Glory to God. Worthy of reverence. Why? Because I'm that man that God has said, He will not, never impute sins. Hallelujah. And this is what we call men to come and partake of. Some of you not see anything that can benefit your friend that you not tell them. Do you understand it now? Same way, you will not see anything good and you will not tell your friend about it. Hallelujah. See, that's the same attitude that God wants us to have towards the gospel. He wants us to see that something that can benefit all men. And so what are we doing when we meet men and we're extending this goodness? We're just inviting them. We're inviting them. Hallelujah. What are we doing? Inviting them to come and partake. So, you have something to say. I mean, look at all the benefits of what what you have as. Are you listening to me? Look at all the benefits that he has. No, you have something to tell them. The reason why you have thought they would never listen is because your message was empty. There is nothing to persuade them. There is nothing 
you, you, you are making them see that you have that they don't have. Hallelujah. So now, you are making them see what you have. So what is it that you have? The free gift of righteousness. And you are inviting them that, hello boss, do you know you can become righteous without your works? So he goes, do you know you don't have to go to hell? So he goes, no, don't worry, I can explain. See, you've entered. Do you know God is not angry with you and he will never be angry? He goes, who? Do you know you can receive eternal life? Say, who? No. Before, they have just been telling them, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And people who don't have time before, they will say, yes, I know, and they will go. Nobody hears good news and pass by. There is a way to present the good news. Tell them what they need. Touch them. Catch them. Catch them at that very place. Catch them at that place where they have been sweeping under the carpet. Hallelujah. Catch them at that very place. That's how you, you'll be doing as if you are the holy, 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 holy. You should know already that that person needs the message. You are doing as if you're holy, holy, holy. We, we know we are not holy. Uh, we know how to catch you. Oga, it's true. I do as if I'm holy, holy, holy. But I can share the secret with you. Ah, so what's the secret? It's not because you fast every day, you do this. It's not as hard as you think it is. Sit down. Don't it's not only a pro You must spend your time doing. It's not only Don't just be found with a proco. That's why I said that when you understand this message, in casual conversation, you will chip it in. As casual as the conversation, you will chip the gospel in and you will strike a chord. Hallelujah. Have you been blessed tonight? Let's just rise on our feet.